this is the last podcast in this series where we've been talking about preaching. The last several episodes, it's been mostly me, Brad, talking with Casey as he's asked me questions. He's pretended to be devil's advocate, uh, prodding and poking towards the end of the biblical, theological, and historical impacts of preaching, particularly even preaching women. And in this episode, we are having Jeff and Chris join us so that you'll be able to listen to the entire elder team talk through and share their stories and their convictions around this topic. Uh, They weren't able to join the other episodes just because it's hard to really coordinate four schedules together. And uh, we really wanted, though, to have a moment where you could hear each of our voices talking through this and really even particular how things will work as we begin to equip women through the preaching cohort what you can expect, what you can see, uh, what will be challenging, what will be encouraging, and just really listening to the heart and the conviction of the elder team. And so hope that you enjoy. And if you have any questions, hit us up. We're on to the next episode of the podcast, uh, which is titled Who Preaches? And uh, today we are joined by Jeff and Chris. And Brad, once again, special shout out to Jared Brottle, who's Jared's helping us in the room. record. Um, yeah, thank you guys for coming to my living room and hanging out. And uh, let's get started. Uh, I think to kick us off, it would be great to hear from Jeff and Chris specifically about your process when you were discussing all of the content that we have covered in the previous episodes and things that you were processing personally during that time, what it was like uh, for you wrestling with this subject, what what came to mind, and how you ended up in the place that you ended up today. So, yeah. Um, <laughs> so, my kind of faith background, I actually grew up in the faith in a Foursquare church. And the Foursquare Church was founded by a woman. And so while my specific church that I attended uh, didn't really have what I would call um, a female pastor, per se, on staff, um, it was kind of part of the the historic, historical um, background of the Foursquare Church, right? That, that women uh, would be leaders, they would teach on Sundays, they would have positions of um, of leadership. And so that was kind of my entrance into this topic. And, and when I joined the elder team and, uh, I would say this discussion had just maybe started or I came in into the middle of it actually kind of came probably from the other side of the, the, the discussion where I was, um, probably theologically and biblically less educated, um, especially based on what y'all, you, Brad, and Casey, you talked about over the first couple of episodes about some of the reasons um, that people don't uh, have women preach. So I actually felt like as I was studying and getting uh, engaged and exposed to it, I was actually kind of coming from the other side and doing some homework of, oh, wow, okay, interesting. This is why men primarily preach or have preached historically and, Mm. and from the scriptures. And so... Um, it was actually really enlightening uh, for me to to be a part of those conversations, 
But I think then what kind of solidified my my view and my position that uh, personally I'm okay, I'm okay and and support and desire to see women women teach is is this perspective of um, for me a huge part of mine and my wife's story and coming to Soma was doing uh, life every day on mission. And so this idea that my wife, who's one of our worship leaders, uh, who co-leads our MC together is a very strong and, uh, I would say influential, uh, speaker and, and, and teacher and share in her own right, mm. why she could lead in our living room, why she could lead up front, um, on a Sunday in terms of worship and, and exhorting the body to worship why is because we're in a room with a bunch of chairs, why could she not do the same thing from a message perspective? Um, it just didn't it, to me the the logic isn't isn't there so while while the 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 biblical and the theological reasons that were discussed I think are are helpful it is it's honestly partly just that that logical next step for us the church being a part of the body is is every day. And, and the Sunday gathering isn't this like very unique, special, special yeah. time. Not like a high church where that is everything. Right. With the robes and the, the moment. And the sacraments. The sac- yeah, right. Although you could wear robes, Brad, if you wanted to. We wouldn't. You know, there as long was a as time cool when the, under the clothes were going that way to where that was cool. Like my old... My old buddy Erwin McManus, he almost wears robes because his shirts are so long. <laughs> <laughs> we can edit that out, right? <laughs> anyway. <You> definitely can't. <laughs> definitely won't. That's a keeper. <laughs> Love you, Erwin. Barbarian way. Oh. Um, Jeff, do you want to share as well? Yeah. Thank you, Chris, by the way. Appreciate that. I, I mean, I entered these conversations uh, for the first time probably like 15 years ago or so, I, I dove into the topic pretty heavily because my my church at the time, my freshman year in college, the pastor's wife would, would preach like once a year. And the first time that happened, I I was pretty connected with my brother's churches and a lot of different pastors in, in the Northwest. And I was like, wait a second, I haven't seen this before. What do I think about this? Mm. This is, is this, and I started studying it a lot. Um, and, um, and for a lot of my life, I was like more, I don't know on the spectrum, like on the right or left side, whatever side this sits, but a complementarian that would believe, uh, like in male headship that extends to male elders only male teachers only. I started, I started to get pretty fuzzy and like, I don't really agree with this when they would say that a woman couldn't teach in like other spheres. Cause I started to be like, well, are you really going to say a woman can't teach like in a, in a small group? Like they clearly were influencing and teaching in the Bible in the, in the biblical uh, narrative in other spaces. But I, I still held to the view of, yeah, like from uh, mainly from first Timothy two, um, the, this, and, and this view that preaching has uh, in, in our culture and what it seemed like in the Bible that it is um, authoritatively, uh, uh, guiding and, and building up the church in a way that seemed to align with, with, uh, with, with what elders were equipped with. The main distinction between deacons and elders I saw was this additional ability to kind of to, to teach and exercise authority. Um, 
theologically. And, and at the time I aligned that with preaching, which is probably one of the, the parts I started to differ from once I started seeing preaching uh, on a Sunday as, as maybe that's not exactly, maybe that's not what they meant when he's talking about teaching and exercising authority, mm-hmm. because ironically, the bulk of my time preaching at Soma Culver City, since it's been a while, so a lot of people in my church may not know, but I used to preach more. Uh, but I, I've preached the most when I wasn't an elder at mm. Soma Culver City. And actually, once I started doing that a little bit, I was like, wait a second, I've done this maybe four or five times. I'm not an elder, um, but I say this this role of preaching is is for elders. Uh, it is like one of the things that distinguishes them in their in their responsibilities and and their giftings. And that's what... Um, that's when I started saying maybe the distinction, like if I'm a non-elder and I can preach mm-hmm. under the under the care of elders, well, if 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 the main distinction of why a woman couldn't teach in in uh, on a Sunday gathering in particular because this is an authoritative unique spot in our culture, um, well, if I can not an elder and a woman couldn't because she can't be an elder and it's kind of like this this unique role God structured the church and how He's made church and even made marriage in some ways, um, it started to break down. Like the logic started to break down and I started digging back in after, you know, eight years later, five, six years later. Um, and so I, I, my view of what um, a sermon started to change to not just authoritatively um, like defending and protecting scripture as we're teaching the body, but more a moment of worship which is ironically what once Brad and I started talking about, that's where he already saw it as was like, it's actually a moment of worship and edification. And I was like, well, we do that in a lot of spaces in our church. We build up our church uh, in worship and pointing them towards Jesus in not just our musical worship on Sundays, but in a lot of our rhythms of our church. Um, And then I also started digging into some of the texts around first Timothy and finding arguments that, uh, pointing to the scripture, allowing for women to teach, but still holding up the scripture in a in a really good way that I never saw 15 years ago. Um, and so I'm happy to go into more of that. But um, I think a few of those moments started to make me more open to it. And then as I became an elder mm-hmm. um, is when, when and, and then before the pandemic, maybe, maybe it came up, I can't really remember, but through the pandemic, we we're surviving really. But then we said, we really need to talk about this because- for me, um, it has become a point of there are a lot of people gifted in our church, men and women, and we want to make sure people are being uh, equipped in all the ways that we as elders are called to equip the body. So um, there may be other points there uh, to talk about, but that's, yeah, those are a few pieces on my journey. That's great. Yeah. Thank you for sharing. Yeah, yeah that's good. Got to get you on the preaching schedule. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Get you back on there. A <laughs> uh, few openings <laughs> for a Van Gogh like preacher. <laughs> for a Van Gogh. Okay. That's funny. I think um, <laughs> what, what you guys have each pointed out is that there is also now probably a question for what the elders vision is for the preaching team. Right. If we think that preaching is the act of explaining the Bible publicly in such a way that it results in worship in the moment and in our daily lives, that definition we've been using throughout this series, 
What do we want that team to actually look like? Who should be on the team that does that? What are the, you know, what are those people in our body? Yeah. Um, I mean, I can speak to it a little bit and then I'd love to hear Brad and Chris, if you have anything to add, but I think, uh, that team should look like, um, anyone in our body who is a faithful member who loves Jesus and, um, is a part of our, our community already is humble and patient and is gifted with the role of teaching and preaching, um, and who has the desire to do that. Um, I think similarly to other roles in our church that we equip people to do, uh, when they're gifted and they have the desire and they're qualified, like we, we want to empower people to do that and free people up to live in the ways the spirit is working in them. So, um, so yeah, it should look like different teams in different seasons based upon the makeup of our church, but men and women and different seasons of life, maybe even. And, uh, yeah, <laughs> that's what, that's what I think the makeup is. I'm curious if you have anything to add. Yeah. I mean, or, I think right. what I would, would add is, um, kind of, you know, we've talked about, uh, on Sundays, right. With putting up Casey as a potential elder, right. One of the, if, if anybody out there has actually read all the, <laughs> documents that Brad referenced, you know, in there, there's uh, capacity and desire to be an elder. And I think I would see that here, that there would be a desire and a capacity uh, to share their stories, their uh, perspective on the word, their um, experiences that, uh, again, like you said, would lead people to, to worship, right? The uh, the, one of my favorite metaphors about what God calls us as a church is a, is a family, right? And, and a body, right? Mm -hmm. And so there are so many parts of the body. And so I think anybody who would desire to, to want to be equipped and to grow would love to, to see grow, grow in that. Yeah. Maybe it's useful to say as well, like when you say capacity, we're talking about margin there, right? Not like, somebody who's just a charismatic speaker, but somebody who has the time to be able to devote themselves to the scriptures and to, you know, put in the, put in the effort essentially that it's going to take to make a sermon come to life. Exactly. Like you talked about on the previous episodes, right? We are, we are not devaluing preaching here, right? We want to actually you know elevate, right? And we want to elevate that through the, expansion of the the voices that we hear and yeah it does take uh some effort you know it doesn't take you know 50 hours right but it does take some it takes some eight it takes eight actually eight hours There's or less book. if you if you read the book and <laughs> if the you cohort. read the book yeah <laughs> totally which i guess that is probably a good point that the how do we envision seeing it done is what we've even done this past year is lead a cohort of people learning how to preach where we take them through the process of you know, this is how you take a text, this is how you interpret, like pulling from the text and understanding what it says. Then how do you take that and put it into an outline? Then do, how do you take that and create an introduction, conclusion, and then deliver a sermon? And we think that that could happen eight hours or less. But furthermore, we do it collaboratively. So each one's those each of those steps, we actually do together as a cohort, which kind of alleviates a lot of the stress and a lot of the labor because you have four or five people speaking into those steps. And so we're not asking the people to be like, oh, I'm going to read 
funny commentaries and stuff like that. In fact, we even <laughs> still see the preaching ministry of the church, just like the missional community ministry and DNA groups and worship and all of the different things that we do as a church underneath the like care and the service of elders, uh, supporting, enabling, empowering, uh, all of those things uh, to towards even the the goals that we have for a healthy church. And so, I don't know, I think that's how we'll, yeah. we'll play it out. And I think... Or we uh, have already played it out. Yeah, we have. And I think what's so beautiful, um, as someone who was part of that first cohort with Casey and Josh Bowditch, was how much richer I think all the messages were. Uh, even getting to speak into some of Brad's messages was immensely beautiful and powerful. And I think that actually is the... I would say hope for the future for the preaching ministry is that there would be collaboration more often than not. Um, Because again, that's getting to the heart of what our desire is here to, to elevate that preaching, but also to be expressing more experiences and perspectives within our family. Yeah. I I also think Casey, what, what you had called out, it sounded like maybe where you were going a little bit was like when you said capacity, Chris, did you just mean charismatic or did you mean, you know, time and energy. And I think what you highlighted is maybe what you're highlighting was like, is it just someone who's charismatic and who loves talking and loves exactly. teaching? Um, exactly. And I think like Brad was saying how this is another ministry similar to missional communities and DNAs um, as an elder team. And maybe we can talk about this next, but you know, it's part of our responsibility to, to protect those spaces and, and use our use the spirit and use discernment to to like uh, as people are raising their hands and saying I, I would like to serve in that way to ask them like to prod what their desires are and to walk with them in that and to like discern that a bit with them because even as we say I feel like I'm like oh it can be anyone who's interested in the body like that does not mean it's an open curtain it's an open mic uh, that now we're kind of like cool anyone who's interested and seems pretty good. <laughs> Open um, mic Sundays. It's, it's not that, right? It's still a really high calling. Um, yeah. Uh, so I just wanted to like, yeah, acknowledge that, right. that it's still something that we protect and, and shepherd, but are trying to steward well too. Totally. Yeah. I think uh, since we're all getting transparent on this podcast, I'll also mention then the spirit of transparency. I was more unwilling probably at the start of the preaching cohort. I felt like I didn't have what it took or I wasn't necessarily the right personality and probably needed some more coaxing. And so I think it's important to note that like, it's not just people who are enthusiastic that we're Mm -hmm. expecting to show up Mm -hmm. in the cohort. And it might even be that sometimes we're calling somebody that feels like a little bit unwilling or unable, but we see something in them that maybe they don't see themselves. And then uh, just the, the other thing I think that you guys have all said, and I want to, make sure people hear this is like at the beginning when an elder gets up and says like, Hey, like we we're having this person preach, like we're delegating our authority to them in this space. The beautiful thing is that yes. And they already went through the preaching cohort, which means like literally the, the elder has heard their message, helped them refine it. Like there's a lot more than just like, okay, and now we give them a Sunday and we hope for the best. That's not what we're doing at all. It's actually, I think it's a much healthier example of like oversight and authority uh, exercised well. Mm -hmm. And so 
I think people can have a lot of confidence about new faces and new voices showing up on Sunday because we're going to do a lot of work to like shepherd and lead people into that space. And it's yeah. going to be really good. Totally. Uh, let's, let's also get to maybe the, the next sort of spicy topic, which is like, Ooh. Hey, well, if we're, <laughs> if it's not, uh, if it's not an elder who's qualified, right? Like Jeff was saying, Oh, I thought it was elders only, which I think is common for a lot of people. But if we're saying, Hey, no, no, no it's, it's non elders too. Um, what, what are the qualifications at that point? Like, how do we determine, uh, who's meeting a qualification? Where do we draw the lines for that? Those kind of things. Yeah, it's a great question. Um, yeah, I think it's something that, like Jeff said, it's not um, an open mic call, right? It is something that, um, at, at least for now, right, the elders are still, um, you know, choosing cohorts to for people to to go through, and and some of the things we're looking for in that is uh, that they're faithful men and women that are part of the life of our church, and 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 that's uh, you know attending. On Sundays, that's faithfully being a part of an MC, a DNA group, right? Really committed to the health and the vibrancy of seeing the gospel um, proclaimed in Los Angeles, seeing disciples made, people that are you know humble, humble and patient mm. to to learn and to grow. Um, like Casey just said, the cohort process is not um, you know it's not just uh, like yeah you get to read a book and then you stand up and preach, right? It's, it's there's going to be some learning, some growing, so some humility and patience there um, that also have a love for God's church uh, and for the people, right? That we people would desire to see the church edified um, through their input and, and their effort. Certainly, again, while you said the capacity is not a charismatic perspective, there's certainly, you know, we would hope to see, um, you know, some sort of gifting and being able to speak publicly and in front of people, right? That, that is not something that everybody can do, should do, or is good at. Um, so there would be some sort of gifting, uh, there. Yeah. That's makes me think of one of Jerry Seinfeld's old bits, like really old bit, but it was about how at a funeral, like people's fears, mm. their number, people's number one fear is speaking in public. Their second fear is dying. <laughs> so he said at a funeral, <laughs> people are more terrified to be the person at the pulpit <laughs> than in the casket. <laughs> so a, bit, a courage. Real. Courage is part of yeah, it. Courage, yeah. courage is a quality. That's where I brought it back there to an go. important <laughs> Way to go, aspect. Brad. Well, well <laughs> courage. And yeah, I would say lastly, like obviously if affirming the theological statements of, of the church, right? Part of... Uh, delegating our authority as elders, right, is protecting the doctrines of of the church, and so almost goes without saying. Any person that would preach uh, within our family would affirm our theological st yeah. statements. It's good. I think it's worth um, just yeah saying again and emphasizing again that peace around humility and and love for Jesus. Um, yeah, just as anyone is listening and interested or thinking about teaching, I think in, in my experience, at least, this is just purely, this isn't even uh, talked about before. This is this is just my opinion. I think some of the most powerful times that I've preached has been when I've allowed and, and sought the spirit to like change me from the text and then, and, and, and a love for Jesus that man, like 
the, I, I'm preaching to myself as I'm preaching to the body. And that, that has that then like the spirit uses to love the body too. And so I think, you know, sometimes it may be easy to be like, oh, I'm going to teach the body. I'm going to tell them and impart wisdom that I know or that I've learned. And, and I think yeah. the role of a teacher and a preacher oftentimes is like welcoming the spirit to change you in, in the, the text that you're teaching and then just sharing that out. Um, Brad, I'm curious, you, Brad, you preach the most out of all of us. I'm curious, like... You do it so often. <laughs> I don't know. I'm sure it's hard to like get to that point, Freak, or maybe it's not. But like to me, that's a that's like just as anyone's considering being on the teaching team. I think I don't know. It's a powerful part of teaching to me. Oh yeah. I mean, I feel like it's an incredible privilege because of that. So I get to sit and wrestle with the passage and have it wrestle with me really. Yeah. <laughs> I get a lot of encouragement. Uh yeah, from Jacob wrestling with God. And I don't know. I'm not I'm not I'm not Jacob and I don't <laughs> have a limp or anything. But I there are definitely weeks where I feel like at the end of it I do have a little like limp from wrestling with God mm, on yeah. a passage. And so I think that's that's an immense privilege. And I would say too it's that I mean, it's getting more into like spiritual disciplines and d- serving in the church in any way, whether it's leading a missional community or setting up or serving with kids. Um, it has this weird effect where you think you're going to do something for someone else. Yeah. But then it it has something that happens to you because of it. But then also God uses responsibility. Like, oh, I, I'm responsible to do this. And so now I'm going to do it. And then God uses that responsibility to yeah. impact you too. Um, so I think Good. having some, yeah, being someone who has a responsibility on a Monday, most Mondays, <laughs> to have to pop open the Bible to a specific passage that was chosen a long time ago and and see what, what comes is, yeah, it's quite the privilege. And and it is generally true, yeah, the ones that impact you personally impact this, the church as well. Or I think sometimes I, looking at a passage and I see how it connects to my children or like what they're struggling with or see how it's good news for them because I have eyes to like look at the passage that way. And then I think that's why one of the, you know, we said to be part of a missional community and to be a person who's on mission and has friends who aren't Christians uh, I think that impacts the way you preach too, because you begin to read the Bible through their eyes too. So not only how does it impact me, but then how does it impact the people that I know in my community, but then even, oh, what if my friend down the street or in my work group like saw this passage, what would they be thinking and how would the good news be given to them in light of it? So that's way off qualifications, but I, <laughs> I do like preaching. <laughs> so you're telling me you're frustrated sometimes with the passage that you have to preach, even though you picked it months ago, months ago. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. But then I would say the worst case. So like right now, when we're recording this, we're in the middle of these four sermons on heart, mind, soul, strength. And every week I talk to me and it's like, I hate these kinds of sermons. <laughs> like every week I hate these kinds of sermons. 
I don't know if that's coming out, but I it's not. They've because, been great, but <laughs> because what it means is on Monday you start with the word soul. Yeah. <laughs> and you're like, okay. It's used seven hundred times in the Bible. <laughs> what passage is it that I'm gonna wrestle with? And it's it's just too much. It overwhelms me. The yeah. the box is way too big. It's almost easier when you're forced into like totally. a certain text. Yeah, like yeah. I if I had to choose between like you know, like a thematic sermon like that yeah. or preach on head coverings. You're like, give me the head coverings. <laughs> I'll take the give coverings. Give me the head covering passage. <laughs> I don't know if many pastors would say that, but that's I love that. That's, that's yeah. incredible. I think um, <clears throat> just as we wrap up on that question, maybe for anyone who is listening closely, I hope that you hear between all of those answers. We're not just having women preach to to have women preach, but like, we see all of these qualities in abundance in women in our body, mm-hmm. and and uh, even the women that we've invited to uh, to a preaching cohort are, are going to embody these qualities very strongly. They're going to be women that you can look up to, that you've seen lead in the community, that you've seen um, image humility and service and character and uh, a life of faith and all of the same things that we would uh, expect and uh, see in, in the men that we invite. Um, so so uh, I think that's really cool as well, right? Like we're not, this is not just like we're trying to make a splash or make a statement. This is, we really do see very faithful men and women in our body and, and um, really long to be able to encourage them and empower them to do what God uh, has given them gifts for. Uh, in, in light of that, uh, I'd also love if we just take a little bit of time to maybe talk about, uh, expectations for, uh, seeing people preach in this next season of Soma and and just kind of like what we can, what we can look forward to, um, maybe even some things that will already be happening as this episode gets released. But as we move into the next, next stage of Soma, what, what all of this is going to look like. I mean, I think one aspect of that is that um, even if you join a preaching cohort or are part of that does not even mean that you will end up preaching on a Sunday. Um, so it's hard to even give a direct, ex- what is the expectation? Um, hard hard to say, right? Because that preaching cohort is just getting started um, here for the fall, like it did last fall with uh, myself and Casey and, and Josh. But um, so yeah, we will. I think certainly be in communication as that as that goes forward. But yeah, the expectation I think is there could be a woman preaching before uh, the year's out, um, based on how these folks go through uh, the preaching cohort. I think that's one answer to that question. It's great. Anybody yeah. else? I think I hope over the next several years like that's a great immediate expectation but then even further on i hope to see a more uh, diverse in terms of like personalities and gifting like preaching and i think there's just so much power in that and yeah i won't i'll spare everyone like an an early church history (laughs) rant but i'll just say this there weren't like one preacher 
per church. That wasn't the norm of the early church. It was actually a, a collective team. And so even one of the things we talk about in the cohort is the different gifts explained in Ephesians 4, where Paul says, you know, hold on to the unity of faith. We're one baptism, one faith, you know, one Lord overall. And it says that Jesus not only descended, but ascended. And when he ascended, he gave the church gifts. And he said, there's apostles, prophets, evangelists, shepherds, and teachers. And I think that each of those are, you know, the, the words there are a gift, a person is the gift, not like an activity that they do like other spiritual gift passages. This is more of you are a gift. And I think that one person is only going to have a few of those and a few angles and personality and stories. And I just see so much uh, dynamism when we see Mm. and when a church gets to experience multiple people working together. And I think it it truly is. It's like the difference between, I mean, I don't want to, bash batman or anything but wow you just but batman's just one <laughs> dude who's really rich the only teammates he ever has is robin who kind of just does whatever and a butler who's alfred? literally just there butler's the alfred's just there doing exactly like <laughs> okay. and i feel like the batman model is the model of most churches mm. you have one one person who has a lot of tools and gadgets and all this experience and you know a dark backstory you know, like getting over childhood oh wounds. Wow, we're going to have an <laughs> online just podcast to hear your dark like good Getting metaphor. saved in the Alps. Getting yeah. Saved. yeah, totally. Exactly. Especially the new ones are crazy. And then you have a few people that just exist to serve that person mm. as they do the saving of the world. Yeah. But I, I see the New Testament as way more, and the early church, and the church today. So it's not like separate church, it's the church today. Maybe we've adopted too much Batman, but it's way more... Avengers-esque of like all these different personalities, all these different gifts, all of these backgrounds, special forces that some have that others don't. And I do think I'm not a huge Marvel fan, probably a bigger Batman fan than Marvel. So I'm just using this for anyway. <laughs> <laughs> but what is beautiful is they don't actually begrudgingly um, put down each other's gifts or want the gifts of the other. You know, just to make it super cheesy, you know, Black Panther is happy to be Black Panther. He doesn't want to be Iron Man. Uh, I just think that that's beautiful. And I see the same thing, like big picture expectation. All the stuff in our church, it's one of the things I'm most passionate about is that each person has knows their gifts and gets to live out their gifts and gets equipped in their gifts. But around preaching, I think that those who are gifted skills-wise with public speaking or interpreting the scriptures that we're able to equip them even more and we get to see people preaching from the apostolic point of view of like this is how god's mission goes forward or from the evangelistic perspective of people preaching so that others might believe or the teaching perspective the prophetic perspective all of that stuff and so i think that's where i hope we go and then I I don't think you can get there only using half the population. So, and I don't think that, I think God's given us gifts and I have a hard time thinking that God gave gifts that wouldn't be used. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah. And I feel like as our team grows and becomes more diverse in all the ways you shared, Brad, um, 
the the body is edified in even more ways because not everyone connects with you or is as similar to some people are, are more are less similar to you than others and they connect mm-hmm. with you much less than, than others. Yeah. And so as fresh uh, perspectives and ways of thinking and life backgrounds and experiences get to preach all within the confines of mm-hmm. like uh, of biblically gathering and teaching and under the, the care of elders, more people get edified in our body, maybe yeah. in fresh ways. And, and that's a thing of beauty that, that we want to see our body flourish in. So I think yeah. I, I hope people can get excited about that. And it's something we can, you know, anticipate that the spirit will continue to, to build his church uh, within some totally. Culver city as we're yeah, continuing to grow. I think too, in the short term, um, in even probably the medium term, practically also people can expect that Brad will still preach the majority of yeah. the time. So like, it's not suddenly, you know, starting next week, it's going to be Brad once a month and some revolving door of preachers that have gone through the cohort again. So yeah, I don't yeah. think there's going to be any sort of sudden change in, in what you would expect normally on a Sunday. Brad's going to still probably preach at least 75% of the time, if not more. Um, so yeah, there's, we're not like, we're also completely changing how, how we've executed, you know, Sunday morning for the past you know couple of years. Yeah. That's good. Clarify. Yeah. Good. Clear expectations. Clarity's kindness. <laughs> that's what Mirella says. It is. I think we things. end on, uh, I think we end on Mirella's <laughs> quote and call it right there. Yeah, she also says her other good quote is "Live your life." <laughs> <laughs> That's what she tells to our kids when they keep asking her, "Can I do this? Can I do this? Live your life." <laughs> <laughs> but those two things: clarity's kindness, live your life. Mic drop. <laughs> Chris literally dropped his mic. Everybody, have a have a great rest of your day, Summer. Yay. Wow, that was a lot over the course of four episodes. Really thankful that you stuck by and stuck into it. I really want to thank Jared Brottle for all of the work he did behind the scenes, editing and making our audio sound so good and so wonderful. Also want to thank Casey, did a lot of work making sure that he was able to draw out some of the best parts of these conversations that he's even overheard uh, from the elder team talking and processing these things. And he just did a really good job bringing that out and a ton of wonderful work. Really thankful for Chris and Jeff and their leadership. And I'm also just thankful for this church and the the way that you all love Jesus, love to serve him, love to see him engulf your entire lives. And so here's to many more days, weeks, months, years, decades of growing up into the fullness of Christ, understanding his love and living in his truth. Thank you for being an ordinary church in this city, which is an extraordinary thing.